What's going on, everybody? This is Grant at Cause Artist. In this episode of Disruptors for Good, I chat with Boss Van Abel, who's the founder of Fairphone. And if you don't know what Fairphone is, it is basically an ethical cell phone. <laughs> at its basis level, it is that's what their mission is, to create an ethical and sustainable uh, electronic device that we can all use. And, you know, fair trade, sustainability, th- those terms can, can mean different things to different people. But if you look at the food industry and the fashion industry, how there has been been a, a real change in what we look at when we buy our food, you know, who makes it or, or how we buy our fashion, who makes our fashion, you know, are the people who making our food and our clothes, are they, you know, treated treated with respect and all these different parts that can go into the dark side of creating products that we consume. Um, those industries have taken a, a great approach in installing fair trade mentalities and, and ethical standards and sustainability metrics. And, you know, those those industries have really developed in, in, into a more positive angle and you see more and more companies and brands every year upping their sustainability practices in those parts because one we as consumers are, are wanting that now we we have the internet we have researched and discover a lot of different things about you know food and the clothing industry and it, and it hasn't been so good but now that we have the ability to research for ourselves a lot of these different industries uh, we now have the power to change those and that's happening the other the other part is electronics right we don't think of electronics as something like food or fashion where, you know, maybe because we don't know how they're made and we don't know the parts that go into it and all the complexities of that, that we haven't as a society, as a consumer base, as governments really looked at that industry and said, hey, what can we do better? Um, what are the problems facing that? And that's what Fairphone and Boss and his team have done um, over the last several years. They have created, you know, one of the one of the best companies in the world. I mean, they are attacking a massive, massive part of our business world and their efforts have been amazing. They have won many awards. Fairphone himself has won many awards. Boss has won many awards. Uh, Spoke at TED um, has done a lot of different things you know, for the community of trying to, well, actually just creating the community of ethical electronics and how we can do better as companies and as consumers when we go to to buy an electronic device. Um, so we talk about a lot of different things. We talk about, you know, his his mental struggles as a founder, right? Going and building a company that gotten a lot bigger than he ever thought it could right and dealing with that on a personal level dealing with funding and dealing with you know supporting all the consumers that have bought a fairphone device and and all these different things that come with actually creating a supply chain and not only a supply chain but an ethical one one that you know he can be proud of his team can be proud of and actually going to the congo going to uganda and and looking at looking at their their standards and and seeing how can we change them how can we make them better how we consumers can help with that um so it's a, it's a it's a long range conversation about a lot of different things and you know i really respect boss and his team for for what they have done and accomplished already and i, I really can't wait to see you know what happens with the future of of fairphone um they just raised another round so you know hopefully we'll, we'll eventually get them <laughs> to the united states they're, they're currently you know only in europe right now so i hope you guys enjoy the conversation it, it was a blast for me to do this i've been a fan for boss and fairphone for a while so it was it was really fun to do this and kind of deep dive in, into his thoughts and 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 just his his uh mentality on on how to build a company like this hope you guys enjoy it 
Thanks. Uh, um, yeah, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to just uh, you know, show you uh, show you a bit under the hood <laughs> of, of how, you know, what it takes to do it, and also how how much naivety it takes to actually uh, <laughs> to actually start something as stupid as a phone call. <laughs> well, but, let's let's start there into exactly for those who don't know what Fairphone is. How when when people um, come up to you and ask you what is Fairphone? Um, how do you explain the company to them? Yeah, so um, it's 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 multidimensional. So I you know it always depends on uh, you know who I'm talking to, uh, you know what kind of angle I take, and that's also the beauty of the product, but also the complexity of it. Um, you know, just very simply said, it's you know it's a phone. But we uh, we try to make the phone as uh, as fair as possible, and that um, you know if you, if you talk about, talk about fairness and, and and phones, there's not really a definition on uh, you know ethical technology and sustainability within the technology sphere. It's not as simple as you know it's not a banana. Right. <laughs> a, a phone is not a banana, and uh, you know by now I, I I you know I I figured out quite a lot of the differences between the two. Uh, there are some similarities, but you know if you if you look at fair trade, what has been you know what is what is uh, uh, fair trade has done for uh, agricultural products um, is very similar from where Fairphone has started. Um, you know, we really go all the way back into the mines. You know, the minerals. There's more than 40 minerals in the phone, and they're all being mined. They've just been taken out of the ground uh, all around the world. So, you know, there's and there's there's you know obviously a lot wrong there. Uh, so that's what we're working on. We're working on the 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 way the phone is produced so the working conditions in factories uh you know on, on our bill of material which means you know the list of components that go into the phone we already count like 1200 uh 1200 of components so these are all made by hundreds of factories around the world um so we try to you know to focus on the areas where we have influence on and also where we can make a difference which is our direct suppliers uh but we also look at the design of the phone make it in a way that people can use it longer so you don't have to make uh, you know a lot of phones because that's it's kind of the you know it, it's it's always a, it's always a difficult one when you look at being a company and you want to trade you know you want people to use their your product as long as possible where your business model is still you know selling those mm, products yeah. and I think that's also one of the elements that makes Fairphone uh, nice because it's also an exercise into you know how can you run a company in a way that you balance these kind of dilemmas of uh you know creating something and destroying something at the same time and i think that's also the root of what makes us a social enterprise we ask these questions but there's you know we're also working on on open source software um, the transparency of the supply chain um all these these kind of things that are connected to you know uh, the question what is fair in uh, and uh, you know, in the industry of electronics. So, what did you what did you see initially when you were first wanted to start the company in the the supply chains that already existed? What, what did you see that sort of bothered you um, on maybe a human level that you said, "Hey, these things can be changed. We can do a better job." Yeah. So, so, so we, if you look at my my own background, I've been I've been working in technology for quite a while, and I've always looked at. Um, 
uh, you know, very critical, critically at, at technology and how it's, you know, the influence it has on our lives, but uh, in a positive, but also sometimes in a, a negative way. And one of those things is also that technology becomes so complex that we have no idea actually where it comes from. So my, my fascination was much more on, you know, what is the relationship between something as complex as a, uh, a smartphone and the actual origin of it. And uh, we've, you know, we, in our economic system, we've lost, we've lost that connection. You know, we've alienated from these things. And I've, you know, it, the, the nice thing about open source software development and working together on code is that you know you're you're both a user of that uh, that product and you're also a contributor to that product. And I, I wanted, you know, the Fairphone to me uh, when we started, uh, we didn't we didn't have the vision of of starting a company, but our vision was how do we uh, make people part of what's happening behind the scenes. Um, and what's happening behind the scenes goes all the way back to people digging into the ground and trying to make a living out of, you know, going uh, 60 meters deep into a hole and, and staying there for a couple of days and then getting some of the minerals out there that are the start of something as complex as a phone. And how do we create a relationship between what's happening there uh, and, and what, uh, you know, what improvements are needed as well? And, and the consumer. But first you need to establish a relationship because if, if, you, if you say, well, you know, guys, there's, you know, there are people dying in Africa uh, because of uh, 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 wars that are connected to minerals that we use, uh, you know, far down the supply chain in our electronics. I don't think a lot of people, you know, people will say like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a problem, you know, a lot of people are dying in Africa, shit. Uh, but you know, what, what do I have to do with it? Right. Yeah, so 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 it's it's really about that feeling of you know how do you how do you connect again to the fact that the beauty of our economic system, the fact that we have these very complex products and that we're able to make them, is because we are able to work together on it. Because as an individual, you would never be able to make a smartphone. You, know, you would never okay. be able to understand it even. Like right. I said, it's not a banana. So the complexity of it is, you know, we are able to make a complex product because we work together. So how do we make that feeling of working together on products again? And I, I had that with open source and I, I wanted to see if we could get that feeling uh, in, in the phone, you know, using the phone basically as a platform to get that feeling back again and to also address one of the, you know, the biggest uh, uh, issues around our economic systems, and that that's you know that there's a lot of external costs, uh, including also conflicts in Congo where uh, uh, you know rebels are fighting over uh, resources that we use in our electronics products. That that's that's obviously a, a huge. Um, hurdle to to get over is going to the Congo, for example, and trying to build a relationship where there's a lot of things going on. Whether it's whether it's civil yeah. war, whether it's corruption, there's there's a lot of different facets of going into a country like that and trying to to change the way they normally operate when it comes to mining or when it comes to just doing business in general. So, how, what was that like? going into to some of these places and trying to fix maybe a culture that's been there for so long. Yeah, I think I think one of the you know one of the first first things you'll notice when you start doing this as especially as a company is that even though your vision might be to 
you know, to to create a you know, a beautiful, fair economic system, or you know, at least be part of that uh, change towards that. But once you start doing that as a company, you're also going to be dictated by the same economic system you're trying to change. Mm. Um, so how we've approached it every time is also to be um, somewhat strategically naive into you know, going, you know, so, so, so basically what we've done is we said, you know, let's, let's go to Congo, let's find a fair mine and let's ask around, you know, let's ask around if there are people who can point us towards a mine where they do fair mining. And we start with cobalt, you know, a, a, a resource that's used for, uh, for your battery, which is uh, now yeah. really high on the agenda because of, uh, uh, you know, electronic, uh, the, the energy transition. Yep. So we've done that like se- seven years ago. We just did that. You know, we made a business card and I was the CEO like a, of a fake company called Fairphone. <laughs> and we just went around there and we, you know, and, and then you bump into, you know, I, I think the first thing I had to do was to bribe the minister of communication of, of Congo um, uh, to be able to film in the mines for 250 bucks. Hmm. And um, you know, that was kind of like my first yeah day one, <laughs> my first executive decision, uh, um, one of my first executive decision as as the CEO uh, <laughs> of, of a company called Fairphone. So um, you know, at that point, I was like, okay, this is going to be uh, you know going to be a tough one. This is going to be a rough ride. But it's also the fact that you know what I've done at that time was I I I, I, I tweeted about it. And I said, holy shit, man, I just had to bribe the minister of a company, you know, of a country of 80 million people for 250 bucks. And he even gave me a receipt. And, and then and then, you know, we got the, the embassy who, uh, who was super angry at, at us because they helped us to get in contact with, uh, you know, for the permits and everything. And 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 the conversation around that of like, OK, but wait a minute. Why are we hiding as companies the ugly truth about all these things? Mm-hmm that we are dealing with and why are we not addressing them? Because one of the things that companies are really, you know, become really good at uh, in combination with a, you know, a, a very heavy litigation culture is risk avoidance. You know, there's, there's huge compliance in these supply chains and they also, you know, all this auditing and, and, and all these, these things happening around the world uh, uh, in factories, in mines and everywhere where there's stuff going wrong, there's auditors. But did it, did it actually improve things? No, it made companies hide things. And um, I think that's one of the things that we've started to do with Fairphone. We started to show what was going on. And that is, it's just a pure, you know, it's a first step and, and it's not a solution already to the problem, but it's at least, it's one of the first steps to find uh, a safe space. And that's what we're trying to create, a safe space also for other companies to join and not hide or, uh, or just avoid the problem. So from there on, we were able, by telling the story, we, we had companies that said, yeah, that's exactly the problem. And, you know, and, and we're being punished for it as well. And they said, well, let's try and just go into these areas and work with these mines, even though there's child labor, let's just work in these mines and let's take a first step and track and trace the minerals so that we know that there is no um, a, a conflict related to it. And of course, still, you know, things go wrong. Of, of course, the health and safety conditions are horrible. But at least we can work from there and set an agenda on improving things. And I think that's also where, you know, where fair trade uh, in the 70s, 80s on food started. Mm-hmm. They didn't go and avoid the problem. They went to areas where they could actually contribute to improving the conditions. 
uh, where conditions were really bad. But where the economic system in a sort you know some kind of natural way, because the wages are low and 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 it's easier to you know to to just get stuff there, uh, was going to. We might as well have gone to Australia and get our stuff there because you know they also have mines and and they, their working conditions are a lot better than Congo. Hmm. So there's other parts of the world that had these materials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, and and you know, it's it's just that it's just cheaper to uh, get them from certain parts of the world. Yeah, and 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 you know, you have to imagine that there's there's especially with cobalt, there's uh, you know most most of the supplies of cobalt are in 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 Congo, Zambia, uh, and of course you can get them somewhere else, but most of you know a lot of the economic activity is focused on that. But if if companies leave because there's laws telling them that they have to comply with certain things which make it very difficult for them to actually operate in these areas, then people there also leave, you know, they, they, they lose their livelihoods. And, and the, you know, the, the opposite effect happens, that they start right. joining rebels and you know, doing all kinds of stuff that, that they would normally not do if they would have an income through mining. So it's it, you know, it's a super difficult long term uh, thing that you're addressing, and, you, and of course you, know, you you cannot solve that just by being a company and being present there and having market power. You also have the government, you have local NGOs involved, you have all these players that have to be involved into uh, creating a change. But in the end, it's as simple as that. It's a start of a product that is being used by a consumer, by a customer. And by creating a market and telling this story, uh, we were able to put it on the agenda of any company, this transparency. And once the story is out there and once people know that the same problems in electronics are happening as are happening in the clothing industry, as are happening in the food industry, mm-hmm. then at least there's a, you know, there's a starting point, there's a safe space for everyone to start moving the agenda towards solutions instead of just hiding all the problems like, you know, uh, uh, like has been the modus operandi in the last uh, 20, 30 years. I think that's a great point to make uh, about the, the food industry was sort of first in realizing there was a problem and starting the long journey of, of, cha- of yeah. changing the, the supply chain and also what goes in our food, right? That's, a, that's obviously a big deal too. And yeah. then we're at a point where the fashion industry is sort of being disrupted in the same way as food was, where you know transparency is, is playing a huge part. It's starting to play a huge part because people are like you, like they're going into these places and whether it's filming or interviewing people there and and showing people that, look, this is it matters where you buy things from. Um, But not only that, it matters uh, where you put your dollars um, because you can actually change stuff as a consumer. I, I always truly I truly believe that I truly believe that our consumer dollar is especially in the U.S. is worth way more than our vote here. <laughs> like yeah. if we if we shifted our consumer mindset just by you know ten, fifteen, twenty percent at scale, that that is a massive, massive transition that you know throws um, economic yeah. value to a lot of places in the world that you can prevent people from going into, you know, going to be a rebel soldier or going to join, uh, you know, a certain, a certain terror group, right. Or, or going 
down a road of, of being addicted to to drugs or something like that. I mean, there's economic value is it's so it's so apparent for communities to to rise themselves out of poverty, and it all starts with buying products like it's very simple actually it's just i think yeah. education edu- educating the public having them discover different ethical alternatives that they can buy and that they they should buy um is is i think where we're heading and where we're at a little bit now oh yeah definitely and i i, I you know i, I think we we're borderline on this one and uh um you know there, there are several ways and several you know a lot of things you can do around it but in the end and that's also the beauty uh of a supply chain um there's only someone going to dig a hole in the ground in congo to get minerals out of the ground if there's a person all down you know way 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 down that supply chain that actually is going to buy a product once mm-hmm. it's you know once it's uh, 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 put into a product and you know all, all these whole supply chains function based on the fact that there's a person that has a need mm-hmm. and uh, you know that makes it that you have uh, quite some uh, some power as a consumer the only the only problem is and and that is one of the things that i see in technology um transparency goes up to a certain point because you have you have different ways of transparency you have uh you know I, you have radical transparency which i don't believe in in the in the context of um yeah of, of electronics if you look at the complexity of the supply chain it's just not possible to map out the whole supply chain and uh you know by the time you've done that it changed already just to, to you know as an example uh you can you can map out the whole supply chain uh, of fairphone and we've we've done quite a bit of that but by the time we've launched our first product uh you know our, our first you know, with fairphone 2 by the time we we produced our first phones we already had seven of our key suppliers which are about 100 uh that went either bankrupt that we had to change mm-hmm. that didn't work with us anymore so it's super dynamic it's not you know the whole bean to bar idea of mm-hmm. having bean and having that same bean in your uh, coffee is fantastic you know for a very simple product like coffee but uh, you know the the electronics doesn't just doesn't work that way so there's no way to actually understand that full complexity and to map it and really have you know yeah use it to in, in a valuable way so i think it's also about you know finding the spots where you can actually make a difference uh, instead of uh, uh, you know trying to uh, create world peace in the supply chain of electronics because that's that's just too big <laughs> what the the current life cycle of a cell phone is what it is materials of mind you know, all the parts are come together somewhere or it's made separately in different areas. It gets made, bought by the consumer, traditional cell phone, I mean. Yeah. It, it bought by the consumer. Then when a new cell phone comes out, you know, a year and a half later or something, you know, yeah. the other one just gets sold back or thrown away. And and there's, and so- a, and there's <laughs> a lot of, there's a lot of phones that end up as wasteful products too, right? They're just... 
yeah. ends up in the yeah. ocean or landfill and yeah so so you know before that it's indeed you know that like i said there's more than 40 minerals going into a cell phone and they're all mined at different stages you know and and they're going to just so there's you know to give an example in congo a lot of artisanal mining is is being done so there's concessions and there's cooperatives working there and they put it in bags and all these bags are collected go to dar es salaam and tanzania move to you know move them to china to smelters and then from smelters they make uh, you know, the, the, the metals out of it. And then they go into uh, you know, semiconductors, components, all these things. And then they end up in a factory like ours where we put all these things together and make them into an integral system. Um, so there's already thousands and thousands of factories involved hmm. before that point. Yeah, so so just 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 to give you an idea uh, of that, um, you know, it's it's, and then I'm not even talking about the the mine workers and everyone involved there. So from that point on, you um, you know the phones are being shipped obviously to the markets. The markets uh, uh, um, they distribute the phones, so it might take a couple of months uh, before they are in the hand of the computer consumer. And then the consumer uses them on average around one and a half to two years. So you're you're about right there. Um, and that's exactly one of the things that we address because. Yeah, the, the, we've done a life cycle assessment on the phone and around 70% of the footprint, the CO2 footprint of a phone is in the production of it. So everything that happens before you have it in the hand. Hmm. So using a phone actually takes, you know, an energy consumption, it takes about the same energy as driving around a car for two hours. So there's no real, you know, what actually, you know, to, to put it bluntly, once you have the phone in your hand, the shit already has been done. <laughs> so, so it's, it's just please keep it as long as possible. Right. That, that would be the best way to deal with it. Um, to optimize the supply chain, there's a lot of stuff you can do, but I don't think it will weigh up to the impact you can have as a consumer, as a, you know, as a user of the phone to increase the lifespan of a phone and not have to make another phone. So, you know, it's a very simple calculation. If you keep your phone twice as long, you only need to produce half the amount of phones. And that's a huge, you know, positive impact you can have as a, as a customer, you know, as a user of that phone. So what we focus on is exactly that. Because you don't, you need, if you only need to produce half the amount of phones, you only produce half the amount of waste <laughs> that will end up and you will have to recycle or whatever. So um, that is, is a very important uh, focus point. And, and a lot of companies don't dare to really go into that area because, um, well, you can imagine if you're you know a big phone company and you're the CEO of a big phone company, mm-hmm. yeah. stage to your shareholders, guys, listen, we're going to... Our, our, our sustainability uh, strategy now is to produce only the half the half amount of products that we've done last year. Right. <laughs> like, oh, no, it's 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 <laughs> such a about? it's such a tough dynamic because yeah you have you have two fighting variables right you have yeah, the public yeah. markets that are dictated by you know hitting sales goals and quarterly revenue and you know all these different things and if. If it's not if it's not really good for society, it's not nobody really cares. But no, then on the no. other hand, like an actual human way to do things is 
really, like you said, just <laughs> we can't, we gotta tell our consumers to stop buying yeah, as much of our product. It's like it's yeah, such a it's such a weird thing. But that's how that's what that's what makes you different as a social enterprise because you know your first question what was also what is Fairphone? Yeah, of course, it's just a phone. You know, it's a phone, and and we do stuff in the supply chain. But it's also this. Um, this dilemma that you embrace because we embrace it also by our KPIs, for example, in the company, our key performance, you know, we, our success indicators are one, how many phones do we sell? Because we want to show that there's a market for ethical electronics, but we also, one of the other success indicators is the length, the duration of which people use the phone. Mm. So, so a salesperson in that sense is is always has always has the dilemma of not you know one you know not having to sell a phone to the same person after too short of a period because the other success indicator says well but you want that person to keep it as long as possible yeah, so so and this is the dilemma that um for me goes back to the very essence of life because it's you know life is about creating and destroying at the same time by being and um, you know, it's a philosophical dilemma, and it's also um, you know it's 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 a, the tragedy also about being in in you know in this world uh, that you have a footprint. It's just how it is. You, you know, people can commit suicide, and then you have less of a footprint, but you also contribute less to the ecosystem you actually part. Right. There's, I don't. I see companies the same way. So it's not you. You, you know, you have. We have to go beyond dogmatism of you know things being very black and white. Um, you have to find a balance. And I think one of the biggest challenges for companies now is how do I, especially companies that use minerals a lot, uh, but also online companies because they, they use a lot of minerals as well for all these these farms they set up for data and, and, mm, and all. Right. So there's the whole physical world uh, behind the bits uh, and the biology. Um, but really to disconnect our business models from the use of of resources um so you have to go into service models and you know it it, it really makes sense to sell for example a phone as a service for a company it also is better for for the customer because at the moment that i sell a phone to a customer um it becomes a cost center you know the customer becomes a cost center because i have to service the phones Mm -hmm. if some breaks um you know the money is already on the bank account if something breaks it's actually you know something i have to you know, <laughs> have to keep giving service on and there's actually a guarantee on a phone for two years if um and i only can make money by selling another phone but what if the you know if a consumer actually if a customer actually pays for the use of the phone only then the support can actually be an income stream so you say, well, with extra support, you can. You know, so, so, so you have to give kind of incentives and new business models to customers and companies to keep products in the hands of the customer as long as possible. And the governments can also help with that. Uh, for example, Sweden has has done a great law on uh, repairs. They, they, well, not a law, but they actually lowered the tax rates on on repairs so that uh, products would actually be in the market for longer and they would also incentivize entrepreneurs to start repair shops. Hmm. So their law is that they incentivize, for example, a company like Fairphone to have repair centers 
and that they would have certain tax deductions for doing that? No, no, no. So, so, so the VAT on repairs is lower than all the other VAT. So that means that, um, that actually doing a repair will cost you less than, you know, so that actually they give, they're given, you know, a tax incentives of having a repair done for customers. So for customers, it's cheaper to do a repair because mm. the VAT on repairs is lower. Yeah. And for companies, they can make more, more money on repairs because, you know, there's uh, uh, more customers that, that uh, there's more, they're creating more demand for it. Um, so, and that, that's, that's only done, you know, purely by, by lowering the taxes on it. So it's not the companies themselves that would do the repairs. It would be repair shops, uh, new business opportunities gotcha. for companies. Because the 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 you know the demand is getting up, um, so for for Fairphone it works differently. We 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 make fully consumer repairable phones. You know, in that sense, we're the first ones uh, that that make phones that consumers can actually just buy the parts themselves and replace them themselves, which is another model of repairs. It's, uh, you know, we our thinking behind it is that you have to make the threshold of keeping the phone longer as low as possible, um, because you can sell phones that you can easily repair or keep longer and you can you know give updates on the software and all these things but then you also need to have a customer that really wants to keep the phone longer and you know in the end if you keep a phone five years it will cost you less than when you when you keep a phone uh, two years the problem is that people break their screens so then you have to buy a new screen it's like oh wait a minute oh, let's just wait for <laughs> let's just wait for my op- my carrier to, to offer me a new phone yep Yep. The uh, what's the what's the struggle of getting Fairphone to America? Um, it's not really a struggle. It's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a decision not to, uh, and it has to do with the growth, um, manageable growth of the company. The U.S. is is a very interesting market. Obviously, there's also quite some. I think there's quite some demand looking at the mm-hmm. PR and, and, and the communication around it. Um, it's just that, uh, you know, there's still so much um, to, to improve also in our operations and everything. Um, it's, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough market. And you do, yeah, especially in the US, you want to do it right. Mm-hmm. And we first want to get the company, you know, really, you know, to an operational excellence level, uh, which is really the focus uh, uh, at the moment. So that we can, you know, that, that it's as a scale up, it, it functions, it's manageable. We have our, our processes in order uh, before we, uh, we move to, uh, to a new big market. And also because we know that the current market in Europe has still, uh, enough growth potential for Fairphone to uh, to do that. Sure, yeah, it's a massive market as well. <laughs> I was just yeah. asking selfishly, is all I was asking for. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, but the, but one of the main reasons is also we ha- we would have to develop a, another phone on all the frequencies of the U.S. frequencies, and it's it's you know it's very it's 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 not just sending over phones to the U.S. You also have to put in servers and and repairs and right. uh, you know all these things, uh, which which uh, we we yeah we talking we we have been talking with people with with uh, companies in the U.S for partnerships around this but we're not we're just not ready for it yeah the the hardware is one thing right that's obviously it's a massive mountain to undertake to create your idea of what an ethical supply chain is but going to the software side for a little bit is there would there ever be a fair os so to speak because right now it's it's skinned or run on android correct 
Yeah, what we've done is we, we've uh, we've taken an approach of as fair as possible in this one. Um, so we run it with Android, where you know where everything works. You know the Google services, everything is, is installed in it. Uh, but with a few clicks, you can actually run a a Google free version of Android. So we're not you know where no Google services installed. So we offered there some uh, open source uh, mm-hmm. um, version uh, version of uh, of you know the, the service services like the Play Store and like uh, uh, Mail and that kind of stuff. Uh, but we also have uh, um, uh, community collaborations with Ubuntu. So Ubuntu Touch runs on it and Jolla Sailfish also runs on Fairphones. So there are other operating systems more, yeah, you know, it, it can be a discussion around how, what, you know, what makes an operating f- system fair. Yeah, so let's, uh, yes, it's more crazy. Open, more open uh, uh, operating systems uh, like Ubuntu Touch also run on the Fairphone. And we also make sure that uh, developers can download the full binaries online uh, so that they can develop their own versions, uh, you know, of their Androids uh, uh, on the phone. And the, the one thing that, you guys recently did was equity crowdfund for i believe about two million dollars is that is that right? yeah two, two and a half million euros yeah so what was i i just think it's such an interesting new world of uh raising capital and crowdfunding kind of merging together and, and not a lot of people still don't really know about it yet or, or how it really works so can you just talk a little bit about your experience with equity crowdfunding and were you surprised at how much you raised and and was it mostly from current you know fairphone users that that put up some money during the race sure yeah so so fairphone has a has a very uh, well, long. I mean, we're not that old, but we have a we have a, a history from the start with with crowdfunding. From from which we, the first two crowdfundings we did was pre-sale crowdfunding. So we actually, you know, the first the whole company um, was financed through pre-sales uh, from the start. So we've sold twenty five thousand uh, phones before we even had a phone. We before we even knew how to make phones, actually. So that was that was kind of scary. But anyway, so so we had uh, we 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 sold seven and a half million euros of phones. So that was our first crowdfunding. Then we had another one of ten million, also pre-sales, which meant you know people would buy the phone and would get it shipped around half a year later. Um, and the equity crowdfunding was different in that sense that we really had people you know become shareholder or certificate holder of the company so really own part of the company um, the Dutch uh, financial legal system doesn't allow uh, crowdfunding higher than two and a half million uh, uh, so that's why we did uh, we capped it to two and a half million but you know it also I think we could have done more than that yeah, if, yeah. and uh, you know it's really it's a really str- we, we, we did it part of a bigger race uh, of, of equity and debt, but for us the real important part was to, um, you know, it, it's, it fits so well with Fairphone as a platform for people to be part of uh, and, and, you know, more of an inclusive way of building your company instead of, uh, you know, doing the financing behind the screens and it forces you also to be very open about your whole business. 
And uh, even though we're not profitable yet, and uh, you know what we're working on now is is that um, you know it was kind of scary to put that out there uh, because we were profitable in the start, and then we had some hard times, and and now we had to you know people perceive us as you know, a huge huge ex- uh, success, which we are, mm-hmm. but uh, still they don't expect us to still have to you know need investment to to keep the company running, but. You know, it didn't matter. (laughs) You know, even uh, investors know that. Investors know it takes time to build companies. Uh, But even then, it's such a strong signal from people that they believe in what you do and they just want to be part of it. So I I would, you know, I I would recommend crowdfundings, especially the equity crowdfunding to everyone Uh, in terms of, you know, who invested was was about a third of our own community, uh, a third of of an existing uh, crowdfunding community connected to the platform and a third of new people, actually that didn't know about Fairphone or were, were not a customer yet. Um, so it brings you a lot. But on the other hand, you also have to be aware of the fact that you put everything out in the open mm-hmm. and you have to answer a lot of questions, um, uh, which we've done from the start. But you know, it should fit your model. If you're a B2B company, you don't really need you know to this huge PR reach and everything, and you want to slowly build up your company, um, and you can do it through investments. Uh, I, I yeah, I don't know if crowdfunding would be the best way. Going back to the hardware for a second, phones are, are, are one thing, and it's it's sort of the one that you know everybody on the planet is going to have. But what about other? electronics because if you can make a phone you can probably make a tablet right you can make a fair tablet or you can make a a fair laptop or something else so is it is there ever going to be a scenario where you you look at other product lines to get more people in the door or you know if 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 i'm a fair phone um user right or customer i'd probably buy the the fair laptop, right, or, or the fair tablet, or the fair whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I, I think, I think it's, um, you know, the same goes for for extending the portfolio as you know as going to the U.S. We want to really get um, get everything in order on the basics. So we're aiming for the basics to get that right. And obviously from, from there, you can expand your portfolio into, into other products. We don't have like set products yet that we're thinking of, but it's, you know, it's safer for the company. So you, know, you can diversify your portfolio. You, can, you, know, you have several revenue streams. Uh, also in terms of components, uh, supplies, it's easier. If some components are missing there and you don't have production, you can move to another. You know, so there's, there's also from a business side reasons to do that. From an impact side as well, because you can move to other other um, um, other areas um, and it is indeed you know a lot of these products they share the same uh, supply chain but at the moment we uh, uh, you know we don't have any any concrete plans to uh, to to launch new products or different products what's the what's the the time period I do, I do think so that 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 you know the great thing about even though it's called Fairphone I do, you know, because we are the first sustainable electronic brand uh, in the in the market of uh, of consumer electronics. Um, I do think that our brand is is really powerful enough to to you know to have more than just phones. I think that that you know it could be uh, you know it could be a portfolio, and I think uh, that's that's the great thing about being a social enterprise that actually. 
the product is, is also kind of a, a means to an end, to have impact and to, to follow your mission. Because in, in 10 years from now, uh, we might not even be using any phones anymore. Mm-hmm. No, great point. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting when I don't know the phone because the phone is is not necessarily a phone anymore. Right. I mean, it's it's uh. it's more it's more of a utility um so it's just used for different things like shopping and paying for things right or it's your wallet now or it's so it's actually it's almost not a phone anymore the way that we think of a phone right where we talk to people on it right it's from day to day i don't really talk to many people actually you know like dialing the phone it's mostly through you know messaging or you know social networks or all these different things where you just need a wi-fi connection rather than a traditional you know phone phone line yeah and people and people get addicted to it i mean there's there's more and more research on it that there's you know there's that that we have to balance better our 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 you know connected connectedness with the the offline part um to to prevent you know information over and, and and that kind of things. And I think that's also one of the things that uh, with our brand that we've been uh, also working on from the start, you know, I, I, from one, we, we actually launched with uh, with an app on it, which was called Peace, Peace of Mind, which which would incentivize you to not use your phone. You know, it would it would actually celebrate when you, would, you know, when you didn't use your phone for an hour. It would be like, congratulations, man, you didn't touch your phone for an hour. So, uh that's a uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. you see, you see that happening. There's so many apps that actually will yeah help, now yeah also sure. use your phone now. But it was really back then. Um, yeah, it was was one of we were one of the first to actually uh, encourage people to 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 meet uh, in real instead of uh, just being connected all day. Going back to the the supply chain real quick, is it? I know this is a this is another. <laughs> I'm trying to have you solve like the entire the entire world right now, but <laughs> yeah, the, the world peace part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because you said that supply the supply chain, some of the problems is is that some of them go, you know, you could be a supplier one year, but then they go out of business, so you got to find one the next year, and and so on and so on, right? So that's the, some of the complexity of of having a constant. A stream of people you can work with and manufacturers that you can count on. Is it possible for Fairphone to kind of have their own facility in some way to where they can mitigate yeah. mitigate the the closing down of certain things to where you know the production is more streamlined and you can you can know that every year this is this this production area is going to be there and and you know do what yeah. you need. Yeah, there's 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 several things you can do as a company to prevent a a you know the the the, the normal dynamics like the seasonality and everything. It also has to do with your uh, uh, you know your, your, your the continuity in which you are going to give uh, forecast and everything. You know you, you don't want to build big peaks uh, that they have to get like temporary labor into the into the factory you know a lot of bad stuff happens when when there's a lot of temp workers around you know um so that is the you know the behavior of user as a as a company towards the factories so your question is can we virtually integrate 
actually build the phone from the mines to here as Fairphone is, is just not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what we could do is say, uh, and some, you know, it, it, it has been until recently that, you know, Nokia had its facilities in Finland and in Europe uh, and, and phones were being made here. But then you ask, you have to ask yourself, what, what does it mean when a phone is made here? The phone, making a phone means putting together a lot of components right. and subcomponents and materials and mechanics and then putting software on it and integrate it. It doesn't mean that, you know, the, 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 our factory, the factory we make the phones in, you know, the, the factory we work with that makes the phones, they have a bill of material, a supply chain to manage of 1,200 components. Mm. <laughs> so, and these 1,200 components are not made by 1,200 factories. They are made by maybe hundreds of factories who do different things. But these hundreds of factories also have suppliers of materials mm. uh, and maybe also subcomponents. And then, so even even if you go down into the supply chain, you, you have tier one, two, three, four, five, six. The further you go down into the supply chain, the worse conditions get also. Mm. So one of the things that we try to do is not to try to tackle, you know, to, to, to manage every factory that is connected in a supply chain, but choose a few of those factories in different tiers and, and work with them to integrate full supply chains from the mines up to the product. So for example, we've done that with Fairtrade Gold, where we do have control over the supply chain from the mine up to the printed circuit uh, board manufacturer that goes into our phone. Uh, so we can say there's Fairtrade Gold in our phone. And we have to do that by following every step of you know, the gold itself up to uh, the, the, the moment that it goes into our phone. And there's like three or four steps in between before you know, the gold can actually be used to make, make uh, printed circuit boards. So we do work on certain components and then you know, work with factories along the line. It's just not possible to say, well, we're going to take control over the whole supply chain. And we could even build the phone in, in uh, that way in Holland, but then still we would have suppliers from China uh, and countries where we would still have to look at how you know, the working conditions are. Sure, sure. And the fair trade gold, did you guys choose gold because it's just it, it's just a mineral that has a more sophisticated supply chain set up and it, it, it's, it's one mineral you can tackle right now and, and make it, you know, quote unquote, fair trade? No, well, there were, there were already uh, so so, so it's, there's um, a pragmatic side to it, but there's also a side to it that that has to do with the mineral itself. The pragmatic part is that there is already a mine in Peru where they have fair trade uh, uh, certified gold. Uh, we also have we're setting up a, a gold program in Uganda where we focus on on uh, child labor. Uh, programs. It's it's a mineral that's being you know that's it's it's very valuable. So it's also you know it speaks mm-hmm. also to the you know to the uh, to the mind by mind of people. So it's it's, it's I think it's imagination of people. So it, I think it's also a, you know mineral that in, in that sense that's easier to understand. But uh, most importantly, gold, tin, tungsten, and tantalum have been on the list uh, um, already for a while as conflict minerals. And we started Fairphone as a campaign around conflict minerals. So our origin, you know, our, our DNA is really around uh, creating awareness around the conflicts related to the mining of minerals. And gold is, is one of them. 
So uh, yeah, th- yeah, it has to do with also our focus on uh, you know on certain areas. Uh, of which uh, a main area is, uh, yeah, is the conflict minerals themselves. The last question I have is is just about your journey in, in general, you know, over the the, the lifetime of, of Fairphone so far. What is what has that journey been like, um, you know, for you and, and for your family and for, you know, the people that are involved in your life? It's Sometimes it can be difficult to talk to people yeah. about about this kind of stuff because it's, you know, is a little bit, personal responsibility then that comes with knowing <laughs> certain things yeah, about yeah. about how things are made and 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 all the different things that come with you know the dark side of, of a lot of this stuff so how's that i mean how's that journey been for you just as a entrepreneur and you know just as a father and, and trying to 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 under help people understand in, in your life like you know what's going on and what your mission is yeah, so so um, it's it's been a like an amazing journey, uh, uh, but at the same time, it's been like a, a manic ride in a way. <laughs> um, and I I I think that you know the 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 things I've traveled a lot already in my life. I've seen quite a lot of the world. I've also seen you know I've worked at areas where there was you know where there's a lot of uh, misery. Um, so I think that the the those aspects of you know, the finding out how basically the world works and also the, the, you know, the, the, the dark sides of it was not the part that really made me, yeah, made it difficult or anything. Um, what made, what did make it difficult was, was the dilemmas you're facing, um, and the decisions you have to make and the compromises you have to do when being a company especially when you're running the company. And um, I, I think also, you know, the, the pressure that's on you when something so successful and so fast goes, and I, I compare it with, uh, you know, with flying flying a plane while still building it and, and not knowing how to fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's it's kind of uh, it's kind of difficult, and um, yeah. So I, I you know it's been it's been tough at sometimes, and I I you know I, I, after two and a half three years I I collapsed also, you know. So my wife had to uh, to get me to the to the mental health clinic here because I, I just was you know was laying on the floor and not moving anymore. So I was just exhausted. Mm-hmm. So. One of the things that will, what happens with you when you go into this ride of 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 a company that's going and growing and growing, you're kind of creating your own monster right. at the same time. How beautiful, you know, from the outside world and how beautiful the impact is that you're doing, but but you're creating your own kind of monster uh, in terms of not, yeah, you, you know, you have your kids, you have your family, you have this, you have, you have to let go of a lot of things that you're, uh, uh, you know, and, and give up a lot of things uh, to, to get there. And all the you know I, I think one of the one of the hardest things which i also you know told you in the beginning is that when you move from being a i've worked in non-profits um, you know most of my life uh, when you move from being a designer artist uh you know a, a, a idealist into being an entrepreneur uh you're also going to be bitten by the economic mm-hmm. system as quite a lot (laughs) and that is i that is i think when people when they go into social entrepreneurship have to have to really be aware of that you 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 you, your ideals are there but when 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 you grow into a big system it's it's going to be very hard to to keep your values aligned all the time and uh, and that is what uh, what really broke me but 
I also learned a lot from it. And after my, my, you know, after that burnout, I came back and I just had one, one thing I wanted to do. And is that, um, I also wanted to be able to, to move away, um, from my position as CEO, because I also knew that, that scaling a company takes so much different skills and mindset and expertise than than starting something i'm 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 really good at selling stuff that's not there yet (laughs) (laughs) and and there there are people who are really good at selling stuff that's there (laughs) so so um so i i made the decision last year in uh in uh, in november to um to hand over the CEO uh, position to uh, Eva, who uh, who has been scaling companies before, and Eva uh, is now the the CEO of Fairphone, and I'm I moved to the to the to the I'm still in the board, and I'm still involved, uh, but um, I'm I'm yeah I'm really really happy to have a position where I can have a bit more distance and uh, and and also see you know all these beautiful things that you forget when you're into the operations too much. 